morning. Uh, Please stand for the reading of God's word. Once again, our scripture is from Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption in sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, Carrie and I were gone last weekend. We got to get away uh, outside of Atlanta. We went to see um, this Founders Weekend for Elam Ministries, which is the, the ministry in Iran that's um, taking place, the, the church movement there. And um, we stayed at a Ritz-Carlton, which wasn't bad, uh, with Anna Kim Storm, which also wasn't bad, um, but had a great time away and just heard honestly, story after story after story of just ordinary Christians kind of taking the word at face value and obeying and God just doing these amazing things and opening doors in a, in a country that we don't normally think of as being very open to the gospel. Um, so it was a really inspiring, encouraging uh, weekend away. And it's good to be back. Um, Daniel Watts, of course, taught on this, this very passage you just heard read. That was not a mistake. We're looking at it again. Um, He did a fantastic job uh, talking about how God's spirit leads us into freedom, the freedom of our adoption as God's children. And so what we're doing this year, as you know, most of you now, that we're going through this series on the Holy Spirit, and each week we're looking at a different role that the spirit plays, a different ministry that he has in our lives. And so for the next two weeks, we're actually going to look at his role in our life of prayer, how the spirit Uh, transforms our life of prayer with God. And today we're going to just look briefly at this passage again and look at some of the implications for prayer. And then next week we'll actually look at verses 18 through uh, 27 and implications for prayer there. So uh, I'm excited to talk about the Holy Spirit in prayer. And I'll just, before I kind of get into this, um, just want you to know that, that prayer is something that we are praying about at Grace. Um, those of us in leadership and on staff, um, we've been thinking and, and praying about prayer um, in the last year, and I'll just speak for myself. I have this, this desire to see us as a community become an increasingly uh, prayer-filled place. Jesus said, my Father's house is to be a house of prayer. And so um, I think that we have room to grow. I certainly have room to grow. 
and we want to grow as a leadership, we want to grow as a community that, that we believe in this big God who is sovereign over all things and is working in the world and loves us. And, and one of the most natural implications of that is that we go to God with everything in prayer all the time. And we want to do that as a community. And so we think, um, or we're praying that the Spirit has something for us uh, in the coming years that is even deeper and richer than it has been in this area of prayer. So I want to say that. I also want to recommend a book. I'm going to quote about half the book today, so you probably don't have to read it. But um, this is A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And I just it's a lovely, wonderful, accessible book, um, enjoyable, and really great book on prayer. So I want to... Um, Acknowledge that, because as you'll see, I'll be quoting from him. Um, so we're going to talk about the spirit in prayer today. But before we do, I, I always, whenever I talk about prayer, I always love to begin by just acknowledging um, some of our, the obstacles that we have to prayer. And my experience, at least, is if you ask the average Christian, you know, tell me about your prayer life. Um, they experience lots of barriers and obstacles. Prayer for a lot of people, I feel like it's like, like taking your vitamins. You know, it's like, I know I'm supposed to do this. It's like flossing at night. I should, I should do this. I know it's good for me, but I don't, I don't really love it. And so I like to just acknowledge that and, and acknowledge different dynamics that make that the reality. And I, today I want to just mention two dynamics that I think are obstacles to prayer uh, for many of us. So hopefully you, or hopefully you don't relate to these, but you probably will. Um, here's the two. Uh, here's the first one. What good does it do? Okay. I mean, let's get real. A lot of us have this question and we kind of hide this question from others or even from ourselves because we want to be good Christians. But um, really, I think there's, there's inside of many of us this question lurking about prayer. Like what good does it actually do? And uh, for some of us, that's a, that's a theological question, right? Like, I mean, if God is sovereign, if, if God has got this plan from all eternity and God is working all things in conformity with that plan, which clearly the scripture says he is doing, then <laughs> what is little old me stepping in and saying, God, will you do this? Like, is that really going to change his plan? Like, can I change the mind of the eternal, all-powerful God? Right? Like, how does that actually work? So some of us, there's a theological issue that it's like, I don't, this, honestly, what good does it do? And for some of us, I think that question is deeply personal um, because there is pain in our lives associated with that question, right? Some of us, maybe we, um, there was a relationship that we really wanted to work out. We prayed and prayed and prayed and it didn't, it didn't work out the way we had hoped. Or some of us had some dream that we were pursuing that we thought God was in and we were praying about it. We thought he led us to that and then it just kind of fell apart. Or, or for some of us, there was a person in our life we really wanted God to protect and we prayed and prayed that God would protect that person and he did not protect that person. Or there's another person that we, we so desperately wanted to, to come to Jesus and we prayed for years and that person never did. And so it leaves us with this, with this um, disappointment with God, with this cynicism that, that grows. It's a very personal, like what, honestly, what good does it do? I've tried it. It doesn't work. And, and then sometimes then God will just drop blessings in our life that we weren't praying for, right? Like sometimes you're just going through life, you're not praying, and God just does something, and it's awesome, and you didn't ask for it. And you're like, there's no correlation between when I ask and when I don't, when I get, th- get good things and when I don't. And so this cynicism builds up in us. And uh, we kind of go, what good does it do? We still tell people, I'll be praying for you. I'll remember you in my prayers. We never do, but that's the right thing to say, <laughs> right? But there's an honest 
there's this question in us that is an obstacle to prayer. Uh, and then the second one is this. Uh, it's just not that enjoyable. For many of us, the experience of prayer, the actual act of praying, leaves a lot to be desired. And one of the reasons, I think, is because we don't like who we are in prayer. Right? And what I mean is when we actually stop for like 10 minutes in silence to come to the Lord, um, that experience reveals, it strips us of some illusion and, and reveals the fact that we are a lot more distracted and busied and hurried and neurotic and insecure and anxious than we realized, right? And we don't like that. That's not a fun experience. For, for me, the, the analogy that came to me this week is praying is like trying to cook popcorn in a pot without a lid, right? Like you, the kernels are there and you sit down and then pop, this idea comes into your mind, this distraction, right? And then pop, 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 and all these ideas and you, you're trying to, you know, there's no lid, you're trying to keep it down and you're sitting there for 10 minutes and, and you're all over the place and you end up 10 minutes later more anxious and feeling more guilty because you realize how unspiritual you actually are, <laughs> right? And there's popcorn all over the place. We don't like who we are. And prayer reveals that, that we're, they're more, we're a little more anxious and hurried than we thought we were. And, and also, I think that if we're honest, some of us, we don't like who God is in prayer. And, and what I mean by that is if I were just to ask you the simple question, what is it like? I'm not asking theologically, just practically. What is it like for you to spend time with your Heavenly Father? Some of us in this room say, that's really hard. Because we, we don't have an image of God that is, for many of us, he's not this insanely wonderful person to be around, just to put it that way. Our image of him is something other. It's, it's stern or distant or disappointed or, um, I don't know, he's a prude. You know, I mean, we, we have these images of him. And so, you know, we, we have a theology of God as Father, but we do not have a, a lived experience of God as Father. And so these are obstacles. And I, I just always think it's important to acknowledge these when we talk about prayer, um, because prayer is one of those places where we want to sound more spiritual than we are. Um, but this is kind of the reality for, for many of us, or all of us at least at some times in our lives. So what I want to do today is, is this part one of a two-part two-parter, talk about what is the role of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, how does he transform our experience and our practice of prayer? And I want to look at this passage just briefly, because we already looked at it last week, and then I want to look at some implications specifically for prayer. All right, so let's look at just a couple verses here. I, this is, these are some of my favorite verses in the, in the Bible. Let's look at verse 15 about the Spirit's role. This is just by way of review. Verse 15, the spirit you received did not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Right? The spirit enters into our lives to remind us that we're God's children and to bring about this cry in us that God is now our Abba. That's Aramaic for daddy, for papa. It's an expression of intimacy and affection and trust. And it's the Spirit's role to begin to, to work that cry in our hearts so that we begin to actually experience and see God as our Abba. 
Um, I love how Paul says it in Galatians. Very similar, but look at this one. Because you're his children, God sent the spirit of his child, of his son Jesus, into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. What I love about this version is he reminds us that the spirit is the spirit of his son. It's the spirit that was at work in Jesus. And really, that's the role of the Holy Spirit is to give us the Jesus experience in our hearts. You you watch Jesus walk around. It's very clear that Jesus had this experience of God as his Abba. I mean, he, he trusted his heavenly father implicitly. He obeyed him always. He delighted him. Everything in his life was centered around his Abba Father. That was his security. That was his identity. He, he just implicitly trusted in his father. And the spirit is giving us that same Jesus experience in our own hearts. And so back to our passage, look at verse 16. I love this. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, meaning the Spirit's role is to get in our spirit, that place deep inside our inner being where those core beliefs about God exist, and he is there to go into that place, that place where we actually think God is kind of stern and demanding and a distant person, and the Spirit's role is to begin to woo us in that place, to speak another voice. No, 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 no. He's your Father. He loves you. He delights in you. He's interested in you. You can trust him. So that we begin to not just have a theology of God as Father, but a a lived out, deep down assurance. No, no, God loves me. I'm his kid. I'm his son. I'm his, his daughter. That's the role of the Spirit, or one of the roles of the Spirit. So, What I want to do for the rest of our time then is say, okay, if that's his role, then what are the implications for prayer? And I'm going to give you three implications. But really the essence of it is this. When it comes to prayer, I think, the Spirit's role is to take us deeper and deeper into that journey of Abba, of Father. And so praying in the Spirit, you know that phrase shows up a couple times in Scripture, pray in the Spirit. Whatever else that means, what I think praying in the Spirit means is learning to pray as God's children. It means learning to be kids again in our life of prayer with our father, our Abba, our dad. That's the the very heart of the Spirit's ministry to us and how he wants to impact our prayer life, all right? To take us deeper and deeper into that journey of Abba through prayer. So let me give you, I love the sound of that child right now. That's like, That's so beautiful. Like, what a beautiful sound to hear right now. So let me just give you three very obvious practical implications, and 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 then Mark's actually going to lead us in a bit of prayer to our Abba. So uh, three implications of this journey of Abba in prayer. The first is that, that the Spirit brings freedom in prayer. Right? What I mean is, is when the Spirit is at work in us, prayer becomes the most natural thing we do. It becomes utterly spontaneous, uh, unfettered, uninhibited, unencumbered. It just becomes the natural thing you do. So let me show you a couple of passages. You know, I could only find two actual verses in Scripture that specifically talk about praying in the Spirit. Use that phrase. I might have missed a couple, but I could only find two that actually say pray in the Spirit. Here's the first one. Ephesians 6, um, spiritual warfare is the context. But look at this, and my point here is, is we're talking about freedom in prayer. Look at how Paul describes this. Pray in the Spirit. What can that mean? Well, 
it certainly must mean this. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So whatever else praying in the Spirit means, it clearly means it's something you do all the time on all kinds of occasions in all sorts of different ways. You pray when you're sad. You pray when you're happy. You pray when you're anxious. You pray when you need something. Um, You pray with short prayers. You pray with long prayers. All kinds of occasions, prayers, and requests. Clearly, whatever else praying in the Spirit means, it means a, a life of freedom in prayer. You just bring your life before the Lord in all sorts of ways, in all, in all, in all kinds of situations. Amen? Okay, let me show you. That's so, so clearly taught in Scripture. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whatever else God's will might be for you, you can know it's this. He wants you praying all the time. As you come, as you go, throughout the day, whenever, whatever's going on, you pray. You bring it to your Father. Another one, Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God wants you to present your requests in every situation. And then Jesus' own words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Okay, so this very clear picture emerges, I think, of praying in the Spirit, which is this absolute freedom to come to God as our Abba with everything. And here's what I want you to hear. With the presumption that he hears and is interested and wants to help. (laughs) Right? That's what kids do with their parents. That's what kids do with their father when there's a healthy relationship intact. And let let me start my first quote. I have about five quotes from this book. Here's the first one. Let's do a quick analysis on how little children ask. What do they ask for? Everything and anything. If they hear about Disneyland, they want to go there tomorrow. Right? This is, we're talking about freedom in prayer. How often do little children ask? Repeatedly, over and over and over. They wear us out. Sometimes we give in just to shut them up. How do little children ask? Without guile. They just say what is on their minds. They have no awareness of what is appropriate or inappropriate. Right? I mean, as a father of three daughters, four, six, and eight, I was trying to just, like, quantify how many requests do I get a day. And it's probably in the, you know, low hundreds, I'm I'm guessing. But I was just, I was, like, tracking some of their requests. You know, some of the requests I get are, um, super legitimate. Um, let, me, I mean, let me show you a couple. Uh, Daddy, can I have breakfast? Very legitimate request. Yes, honey, you can have breakfast. Um, some, I would say, are uh, maybe superficial. Uh, Daddy, can I have the blue bowl and the red spoon? That'll happen a lot. Sorry, sorry. Blue bowl, red. Was it red? No, blue bowl, red. Okay, blue bowl, red spoon. Cereal goes blue bowl, red spoon. Okay. Um, some of the requests are absolutely precious. Daddy, hold me, right? Daddy, cuddle me. Daddy, play with me. So wonderful. Um, And some of the requests are incredibly vain. Uh, Daddy, that's mine. She can't play with that, which is interesting because you weren't interested in that toy all day (laughs) until she wanted to play with it. You weren't wanting to play with it, right? But the point in all this is there's an utter freedom. There is a, there is a, um, a presumption 
that I'm interested and that I'll listen and respond. Why? Because I'm dad, right? And that is the right. And sometimes, honestly, I, I actually don't want to listen, <laughs> right? But how much more, Jesus says, that if, if ordinary broken human fathers, human mothers, listen to their children um, and will respond in all their brokenness, how much more a perfect being who is only always love and delight and joy and interest in his children, how much more is he interested in hearing the free requests of his kids? I mean, I, I was thinking this week, I, I have this moment. Um, so our four-year-old, Josie, is, uh, is a real character. And if you've gotten to know her, you know that she is a, she's a character. And, and some amazing things will come out of her mouth. Um, but what's so fun is she, uh, she wakes up and things just start coming out of her mouth. And it's always really interesting. It's surprising, crazy, but always really interesting. And so sometimes Carrie and I will be in bed and we'll hear her stirring in her room. And we like, there's kind of like a, a race to the bed to get there first because you always want to hear the first thing out of Josie's lips. Uh, this morning I was actually, um, I, she, she came out, I was, in the, I was studying and getting ready for today and she came out and the line, she got in my lap and she said, Daddy, my legs are waiting to be rubbed. Was, was the comment. Daddy, my legs were waiting to be rubbed. But like there's this, so we, we come to the, we, we're coming to the, like there's an interest. Like, I, oh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say, right? Like it's going to be funny. And, and here we are. I'm a selfish, self-centered person. How much more the God of the universe has a capacity for that kind of genuine interest in his children? I am here. I'm your dad. I want to hear what you have to say. I want you to just bring everything to me. That's the invitation and the Spirit's role in our lives to start to create that freedom. Like, you know, and, and even it kind of undercuts those, those questions we have. Like, I don't know how all this fits in your plan. Like, I, I, maybe I'll never fully get this, how it all works, but, but what I do know is you're my dad. You're my dad, and you want to hear me, and you want to respond to me, and I can trust that, and your spirit is at work in me. So, so that is an implication. It's just freedom. Uh, another one that goes with it, I would say, is authenticity in prayer. Part of the freedom in prayer that the Spirit, I think, wants to give us uh, c- comes with this, the fact that we can just come to God as we are, like fully messy, unfinished, kind of our broken selves in prayer. We don't have to clean ourselves up. The Spirit enables us to have the freedom of kids that just come to their dad messy. So here's my second quote. Um, oh, no, I'm actually going to give you a psalm. Um, the Psalms are such a great uh, picture of authenticity, right? I mean, the psalmists come messy to the Lord. The psalmists don't clean themselves up before coming to the Lord. Here's Psalm 13. Uh, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I mean, the psalmists say some pretty amazing things to God. God, why aren't you listening? God, why don't you like me anymore? I mean, I can hear my kids, Dad, you don't like me anymore, you know? You didn't help, you don't like me, right? Or like some pretty aggressive ones, like, God, kill that person and kill that person's kids. Those come in the Psalms. Um, and God gave us the Psalms. He's like, I recorded these prayers, I put them in the sacred scriptures, and I'm handing them to you as a 
guide <laughs> of sorts. There's this real, they're, they're gritty and raw. There's an authenticity. The psalmist is coming exactly as he is. Um, here's another quote. I love this line. Personal prayer is one of the last great bastions of legalism. What he's saying is so many of us try to clean ourselves up with God in prayer. We, we're legalists when it comes to prayer. We, we'll sing the old gospel hymn just as I am. Uh, but when it comes to praying, we don't come just as we are. We try, like adults, to fix ourselves up. Uh, we try to be spiritual. In contrast, Jesus wants us to come to him like little children, just as we are. The dif- difficulty of coming just as we are is that we are messy. And prayer makes it worse, right? This is the popcorn idea. When we slow down to pray, we are immediately confronted with how unspiritual we actually are, with how difficult it is to concentrate on God. We don't know how bad we are until we try to be good. In contrast, little children never get frozen by their selfishness. Like the disciples, they come just as they are, totally self-absorbed. They seldom get it right. As parents or friends, we know all that. Don't try to get the prayer right. Just tell God where you are and what's on your mind. That's what little children do. They come as they are, runny noses and all authenticity, coming as we are. There's a freedom and an authenticity to prayer. You know, I was thinking some of the prayers that we, we uh, structures we create, you know, the acts prayer, you start with adoration, you move to confession, thanksgiving and supplication. That is a really, that is a fantastic prayer structure, I would say. And I would actually, I would commend that, uh, especially if you don't have a place to start in prayer and it's prayer so hard for you. Having a structure or the Lord's prayer is a wonderful prayer structure. Um, as a way of praying. But what struck me this week, I thought, gosh, I don't think my kids have ever followed that structure with me. (laughs) You know? And how great that would be. Daddy, um, first off, Daddy, you you are a great (laughs) dad. Right? Like, I just want you to know, you are kind, you're patient with us, you're generous. And Dad, I, can, I know I can be a hard kid to deal with sometimes. Like, I know I can be selfish and, and ungrateful. Um, and thank you for all the work you do, you and Mom, to put a, you know, roof over our heads, bread on the table. And, and Dad, can I, have, can I have a treat right now? Would that be okay? You know, like, that would be awesome. But I've never had that. I haven't had, maybe it's bad parenting, but that's never, never happened to me. And so what I want to say is, that is is the right structure. The Lord's prayer is the right structure. Um, But I think there's also the the spirit frees us to be authentic. And, and, And what's great about authenticity is authenticity will get us through the doorway in prayer. And then that same spirit who provided that authenticity, he'll work on us in prayer. And he'll do the work he needs to do. And you read the Psalms. The Psalms start with how long. They almost never end there. Right? You keep reading. The psalmist comes around. Almost, there's maybe one I can think of that doesn't feel like they ever come around. But they almost always come around as they, as they wrestle with the Lord in prayer. And the spirit is there, I think, to to allow that authenticity that gets us in the doorway. And then we just get in the doorway with who you are. Don't try to clean yourself up. Let God do that as, as he wants and in his time. And he will over time. 
Um, but don't start there. Again, I love this. He says, uh, if you don't begin with where you are, then where you are will sneak in through the back door. And that is so true. Like, you, you can try to put on a spiritual version of yourself in prayer, but who you are will sneak in through the back door. And so better to just be authentic and to, to acknowledge it right up front. And the spirit, I think, the Abba relationship enables us to just come exactly as we are. All right, so freedom, authenticity, and one final one, uh, I think also the implication for the spirit, and maybe the deepest one is as intimacy in prayer. That when the spirit starts to speak Abba into our hearts, prayer increasingly becomes just about the relationship itself. That over time, prayer moves from being just a list of, like, here's this list of requests I have, and that's how I think about prayer and define prayer. Prayer increasingly moves from that to, no, really, prayer is, prayer is, the heart of prayer is about spending time with my dad. Like, the point of a prayer time is the prayer time. <laughs> like, that increasingly, not all at once, but over time in my life, I have this deeper and deeper hunger for God himself. Because he's the great treasure in life. Not the gifts that he provides. Those are great. But nothing is better than God himself. And the spirit, that Abba, begins to, to, to move me towards what I want in life is you. And so the whole point of time with you is not, the, not for the peace that prayer brings me or not that I get this request. The whole point is the time with you and experiencing your love, being in your presence. Um, here's the other place that I found in Scripture where it refers to praying in the Spirit. It's pretty obscure. This is Jude 20 and 21. That's not chapter 20 and 20. That's verse 21 21. It's only one chapter in Jude. Um, and here it is. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your faith, and here's the phrase, and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. And I think part of what praying in the Spirit is, is a way of keeping ourselves in the love of God. And, and Jude acknowledges, you are the beloved, right? Up, up top. Beloved. The same experience that Jesus had of his father, you are my beloved son, I'm well pleased with you, is now our experience. You are beloved. God loves you the way he loves his son because you, by faith, are in his son. You are the beloved. That's who you are. But through prayer and the Spirit, that is how you ground yourself. You root yourself. You stay in the love of God. You, you, you experience the love of God in that relationship. And how that works is the Spirit begins to heal the dysfunctional views of God that we have. That may be based off of our own human dads or just life and how life has gone. And we begin to actually experience him as an insanely wonderful person to be around. Like he's kind and he's gracious and he's creative and he's forgiving and he's strong and he's wise. Like you want to be around someone like that? I really want to be around somebody like that. But the spirit begins to heal our image of God so that we begin to have the Jesus experience of God. Jesus knew my father is the, is the is the coolest person to be around. He's just, I just love being with him. And so Jesus would, would you know, engage in this very busy life of ministry and, and conflict and healing and teaching and all that. And then he would withdraw 
sometime all night long, sometimes early in the morning, just to be with his dad again. To keep himself in the love of God. To find his identity again in the love of the Father through prayer. And that is what spirit-led praying in the Holy Spirit looks like. It's just engaging with God to engage with God. When was the last time you just set aside time to be in God's presence? Like just no agenda, just I'm going to just sit with you for 15 minutes and be in your presence. And the goal of that time is to be in your presence. Last quote of the day. You don't create intimacy, you make room for it. Right? And I think prayer is that. Is it's just sometimes it's just creating room. And I said this the other week. Sometimes we hoist the sails and God blows how he wants. We don't have to have to figure out what that's supposed to look like. And so I want to invite you into that kind of just, hey, I, I, prayer for me is increasingly becoming about just being with my father. You know, it's fun for me this week, obviously, it was Valentine's Day on Friday. And um, so what I do, um, this was Carrie's thought a couple years ago, and it's so fun. So I take each of the girls out on a date sometime on Valentine's week. So um, Thursday night, I took Josie out. Last night, I took Adele out. We went to Mongolian barbecue, which was awesome. Uh, tonight, Cora and I are going somewhere. I'm not sure where. Um, but what it is for me is it's just, it's just time with my girls, one-on-one time, which is very rare f- for me. And um, when I first started this, it's funny, I, I came in with the, like these really uh, high spiritual expectations <laughs> for the time. You know, like I was going to really, we were going to get at some really good spiritual stuff and my, my Valentine's date with my six-year-old daughter. And, um, and God has like pulled that back uh, in the last two years. Like, you know what? It's just about being together. And so now there is a 30-second period where I look them in the eyes and I say some things that I want to say to them. Um, but other than that, we're just kind of hanging out. We're just eating, we're drawing, um, you know, we just, just hanging. And I think there, where's the room for that in our, you know, relationship with our father? Just to, hey, you know, I'm going to spend time with you and nothing really spiritual has to happen. Like, I'm not going to force your hand and make you do something awesome in these five minutes that I'm giving to you right now. Um, but I'm just going to fix my mind on you. And as it wanders, I'm going to fix it again. And I'm just going to acknowledge that you're present with me. And I'm going to sit in, in the love that you have for me because I put my faith in your son, Jesus. Intimacy. So that is, I think, the journey of prayer in the Spirit it is the journey deeper and deeper into Abba. Freedom, authenticity, intimacy. So let me pray. Um, and then actually Mark will lead us in some just time of childlike requests to our Father. So if you would bow your heads with me, I'll create a little space for us. So I, I just ask you this question. As, these are all familiar ideas for most of us. But um, as you hear it today, I guess the question, the prayerful question for you would be, where, where is the Spirit's invitation for you um, today, this week? And for some of you, that invitation might be the inv- invitation just to freedom, just to, just to be laying more requests, just bringing the, the, the moments of your day before the Lord, 
just that freedom. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's an authenticity. Maybe you, you really try to, you try to uh, make yourself spiritual with God, and God is just telling you, you know what, just be yourself. I can handle it. And for some of you, it might be about intimacy and saying, I want to create a little space this week uh, just to spend time with my Father. Why don't you just sit with that question? Where's the Spirit's invitation for you? And then Mark will lead us in some prayers.